Violins of Hope is a collection of violins that were played by Jewish musicians during the Holocaust. The collection was assembled by an Israeli violin maker named Amnon Weinstein, who spent the past 20 years finding instruments that were played in the ghettos and concentration camps, restoring those instruments, and bringing them back to life so they can appear on the concert stage again. I became interested in the Violins of Hope project when UNC Charlotte was bringing those violins to America, which the university did in 2012 for the very first time. It's the only time thus far they've been in the Western Hemisphere. I became fascinated by what I was hearing about these violins, about Amnon Weinstein and his story, and I just got curious. And I took a trip out to Tel Aviv and met with Amnon and saw the violins for myself and became inspired to write a book about the Violins of Hope. What I think is inspiring about these violins is the way that people, even in the darkest times of humanity, held on to their music. They held on to their violins, and that's what gave them hope. Tell me about the violin that was played at Auschwitz. Uh, what's the story behind that, and uh, how did it come to be rescued and, and restored? The violin from Auschwitz was played by a man who played in one of the camp orchestras. There are actually several orchestras throughout the Auschwitz complex. We're not sure which one. But he played in that orchestra every day. And after the Holocaust, after he was liberated, he no longer wanted to play again. He felt he had uh, used his art as part of the machinery of the camp, and he couldn't bear the thought of touching that violin again. So he sold it for pennies to another survivor who brought it just for his own son to learn how to play the violin, and they brought that instrument to Israel, and eventually that instrument found its way to Amnon. How did some of the other instruments that Amnon Weinstein restored come to his shop? Most of the instruments that Amnon has located came to him through the survivors' children or their grandchildren. Uh, they were fortunate enough to survive the Holocaust, most of them because of the violin, and then they passed this precious instrument down to their children or their grandchildren, who then brought those instruments to Amnon. What was it about this idea of restoring these instruments with this kind of tragic past that you found interesting enough to not only make the trip out to Tel Aviv, but then to write a book about it? For me, as a musician, as a human being, this is a really fascinating time in humanity. And uh, it represents the absolute worst of times in history, but also some of the best of times as people manage to stay alive and manage to maintain their dignity and maintain their humanity and maintain their hope. And I found that a very uh, inspirational and touching moment. How did the writing of the book come about? Was this something that you had in mind when you went out to Tel Aviv or did it occur to you afterwards? When I went out to Tel Aviv the first time to visit Amnon, I frankly didn't know what to expect or what I was going to find. And I spent a week with him in his workshop, seeing the instruments for myself and watching him work on some of these instruments. It was a fascinating experience. And it was over the course of that week where I'd interview him during the day, then I'd go back to my hotel room at night and sort of transcribe the interviews and try to get my thoughts together. It was only at that point when I reached the end of that week that I realized there's a book here, and this is a book that I really want to write. The book's been out for just a few weeks now. It's available at all major booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, the local bookstores. I've been very honored that it's received quite a great response, both from some of the major you know, Publishers Weekly and the major trade magazines, but also, for me, even more exciting, the common readers, the bloggers, those who post to Amazon and to Goodreads.com. There seems to be a lot of excitement about this book. It seems to be touching people in a very profound way. The readers are telling me that they are learning a lot from this book about the Holocaust. There is in American education, at least in my experience, a rather monolithic view of the Holocaust that sort of happens in Germany and in German-occupied territory. It's a very sort of clean way of looking at things. But in The Violence of Hope, I examine seven very different stories. And so people are often surprised to see the real complexities of the Holocaust and the true extent 
of that tragedy throughout all of Europe, in fact, all of the world. Can you tell me about the event that's scheduled for uh, Thursday, September 11th at 7.30 p.m., I think it is, at Robinson Hall on the UNC Charlotte campus? What's going to be there for people who attend? So we're billing the evening as stories and music from Violence of Hope. And I'll be doing some readings from the book, and we'll also have performances of music directly related to those stories, Yiddish folk songs and other works that were played either by that violinist that I'm talking about in the stories, or at least we know were played in the same ghetto or concentration camp. I think the evenings are going to be a nice opportunity for people to know a little bit about the stories in the book, and most importantly, the music that was played and how that music affected lives during the Holocaust. There's so many stories in the book you've collected. Is there one that particularly inspired you? A story that I found particularly inspiring when I was writing Violence of Hope is that of Fievel Vinegar. Vinegar was taken on a death march through the rain and the snow of Transnistria in Romania. Along the way, his uncle died, his mother died when they reached their final destination, and he had with him his wife and his baby daughter. And through the death march, the baby daughter Helen, she was a year and a half old. She grew so weak, she was emaciated, she was frozen, she, she lacked the strength to even cry. When I was writing this chapter, I couldn't help but think of my own daughter, Helen, has the same name and was the exact same age. And while all the stories of Violence of Hope affected me on a very deep and profound level, that was a story which was particularly difficult to write because I was able to project not just what it would be like to be a, a musician at this time, but a father and, and whether I'd be able to use music to save my family. Professor James Grimes from UNC Charlotte, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you.